So, did you see EC3? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> when did that happen? I might have. Uh, I might have run downstairs for a sandwich or something. See, that was a, a blink and you'll miss it moment, I think. Well, well, the show's finished, and if it was a WCW show, there'd be credits, or if it was a WWE show, you would have turned it off already. But <laughs> you, uh, you probably went out the room and missed that EC3 actually did make his shock debut. He'd been so touted as being the mystery man who would be in the match at the end, and, you know, it was a former world champion and blah, blah, blah. That uh, I was kind of surprised not to see him, especially with Rich Swan's appearance. So for that cool little vignette at the end, where he's just, well, it's the thing to do now, isn't it? It's like when Moxley left and went to uh, AEW, the tease everything was like little silent movie trailer type things, and this was just EC3 standing there with his back to us, drinking a glass of whiskey and coke, and then he just smashes it off the wall and looks at the camera. It was pretty cool, like. I'm, I'm glad you saw it because like we were both meant to be reviewing this and this is on a show that not only can I not only can I pause the show I can carry my phone around anywhere um but I was just like it'll be fine it'll be like a sponsor it'll be an ICO pro advert or something so I'll just run down <laughs> So uh, does does this mean that uh since Ethan Carter the third is back do you think Dixie Carter might come back Oh the bitch is already tweeting about him she's like don't forget he's my like he's not stay away stay <laughs> far away do you know who's actually related to dixie carter uh satan vince russo <laughs> i don't know uh, no declan donnelly oh shit i forgot about saying that what program was that on again it was just them tracing the family history and uh <laughs> she i don't tweeted, she tweeted about that now i remember that was very strange i don't think he had a clue like to be honest, like they didn't. I don't think they showed any TNA footage or like any footage of her. To be honest, I don't think they explained who she was. If there was ever a thing I could forget <laughs> about TNA, it would a hundred percent be Dixie Carter. <laughs> like most times, I've become a lapsed fan of TNA. It is because of Dixie Carter. So you know, we'll never get her on as a guest now. Um, no, no. We want to talk about wrestling. We don't want to talk to her. <laughs> did you know? She, yeah, she has an action. She has her own action figure. Did you know this? Oh God! Does it not thing- work? <laughs> <laughs> the things you can do when you like own a company, you can have your own action figure made. Did um, the toy company go bust? As Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Turn Chuckle. This is a special 2020 Slammiversary review edition and with me, as Gene Oakland would say, is my close, dear, long-time personal friend, Alan Tempest. Uh, Alex Tempest, sorry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> how are you doing? I'm alright. Good. Um, Skinny jeans, Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, no, there's no women that we can uh, let you over. Um, I feel like people don't quite realise how much of a lech gene could be, and I say this positively, but like, do you remember that Legends House thing? My mm-hmm. God, he was a horn. <laughs> just all over <laughs> everything, all the time. It's horrendous. Well, I, yeah, I just watched, um, for the first time, actually, uh, Spring Break 97, and they bring out Miss Spring Break with 
someone <laughs> maybe DDP or someone like that. I can't remember. And Gene could not control himself. It was unbelievable. <laughs> but um, yeah, we're not here. And don't get us wrong. I would talk about Gene Oakland all day long. Uh, but we're here to talk about Slammiversary 2020 from Impact Wrestling. So Woo. yeah. So Alex is um, the the. I've got to stop saying TNA, the Impact Wrestling fan. Um, not that I'm not, it's just I watch so much old stuff, but I'm like, I'm very sort of like honored to have been asked to review it because, and I think it'll be like an interesting review as well because it's kind of looking at it from fresh eyes, sort of thing. Um, and, you know, but, but even, also. Even for me, like with, with the way Impact is, like, I go through years of watching it and then something happens and it becomes a totally different program and I end up not watching it for a while and then I've been back in for a few years. So it's like, it's a, Impact's always a roller coaster. You never know what you're watching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very yeah. pleased with where it's heading at the minute, though. Well, just this event, you know, um, if you hadn't watched any for a while, and, and I've got to say as well, they did a really good job of acknowledging the fact that they may have first-time watchers. Um, so, yeah, I saw that. They, they did a good job with, like, sort of getting people up to speed, given the history of uh, of Impact Wrestling, and uh, we'll get into that as as the show goes on. So, you watched the pre-show? I did, yeah. Um, you know, it was quite interesting with that one. The version that we watched, there was a different greeting for Britain, which I thought was pretty cool. Impact have, for a long time, kind of watched out for their British audience. Something I've always appreciated about them, and I think it's why they've got a pretty good following here, but... At the start of the pre-show, he was talking about the time it was and stuff, and I was like, "Hold on, that's British time." So yeah, that, that was pretty cool. <laughs> and and they showed this at midnight American time, didn't they? But this was on at the oh, mid- no 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 well, no, no they made the the oh, see this is why I'm going to come across like I don't know what I'm talking about because the 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 Good Brothers made their announcement at midnight yes, on Saturday, they did. didn't they? they did, yeah, yeah, okay, so there you go. Like, yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm there. I'm there. Don't worry. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. It's fine. Um, it's, hey, yeah. I, could, I could be wrong. That's what I was watching. <laughs> Interesting frame of mind. <laughs> one, one thing I enjoyed, though, and you do get the sort of the snags of it being live, but I enjoyed the fact that it was a live pay-per-view for the first time in a little while. Um, I thought yeah, that was, there was no pre-taped edited bollocks at all, was there? It was just well, proper pay-per-view. Not just that, it was just the fact that it wasn't it wasn't smooth. You know what I mean? Like there were sort of like, you know, technical difficulties and um it's a reload, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it started off with, you know, you couldn't hear Don Callis for the first five minutes, but they acknowledged it. Like this is like I like a bit of realism. I like if something's going wrong, just talk about it. I think it's fine. The only one thing I would complain about that, and I'm not a big one for complaining, but Mm -hmm. it was a real shame when Heath Slater or just Heath or Heathcliff or whatever he wants to be called now that he's changing (laughs) his name. But when Heath turned up, I thought that 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 was a great moment, except then his mic didn't work. And I was like, oh, I feel bad for you. But then at least they were nice enough that when Rohit came out, his mic didn't work either. (laughs) The note I made for that um, was that it sounded like they were in the bathroom. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, um, but Heath, H double E P H. I'm guessing that's how they're gonna <laughs> Heath. Heath. <laughs> um, yeah, Heath Chegwin. That's what I would call him. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> that might. If there's any American listeners, that probably went over your head. So yeah, no. So um... Heath Whitley. Let's give him some more credence. <laughs> <laughs> This is a review show, by the way. We're not just mocking Heath. Um, <laughs> no, no, I thought his moment was great. I'm just not so. <laughs> <laughs> you're the heel. You're the Don Callis of uh, this stuff. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, um, I love the intro package for the event. It 
felt like the intro package to a wrestling show, not a fucking multi-million dollar movie. Um, you know, it, it wasn't trying to be bigger than what it was. You know what I mean? Like, you don't yeah. need special effects and all sorts of stuff. And I'm trying not to swear, and I'm sorry. We'll, we'll too much to... hyperbole as well. Yeah. Um, and, and I love that it was presented, you know, kind of, you know, the sat behind the desk, like an actual sports-based presentation, which yeah, yeah. I think really immediately, to me, set it apart in terms of, the you know, the, the presentation from the start sort of thing. So, yeah. Um, I, I think Don Callis deserves a lot of um, respect for the way he's changed the presentation at Impact, actually, in the time that he's been there. Like, I, I got back into watching it once Don had taken over. It was... I think it was just before All In. I was watching off and on. You know how it collaborated like loads of different companies. Yeah. And watching the growth period that they've had in that time is really impressive. It could still be hit and miss, but I for the last, I'd probably say two years, the product's been really strong, and he deserves the credit for that. He's been really good. Are there like say three very noticeable, tangible differences that you've noticed? What do you mean? Like since Don Callis took over, is it in terms of? how the matches are presented in terms of the presentation, in terms I, of... I like know. the presentation and the booking. The, I, I don't know, talent feel like they speak a lot more naturally. I feel like they haven't lost that kind of... There's still plenty of old-school weird TNA. Like, you know, there's been stuff in the undead realm with Rosemary and Havoc and that, but then there's also been, like, great comedy stuff, like with Johnny Swinger, and it's, like, very self-aware comedy, yeah. you know what I mean? There's, there, there, it's been a proper smorgasbord for everybody. And I, I, I just think that he deserves a lot of credit for it. The uh, the little Johnny Swinger segment when he uh, drives up in his car and uh, throws the <laughs> keys to the announcer and he was just like, yeah, you pop guy. That's such a heel like thing to do. It was really funny. And I think just what, what I would say about like this event before we start getting in the matches is that it makes me want to see more of a lot of them. Yeah, just based on first impressions and based on how they were able to big them up on commentary and all that kind of stuff. And one one other thing about the intro package is that they really put a emphasis on the moves. Like they they yeah. showed wrestling moves during a wrestling <laughs> intro package. I, I know. Mind blowing, I know. <laughs> I, I know, I know. Because the thing is that the, and and this event and I know TNA kind of started this stuff. We talked about this before, but no movie style matches. And the the thing that I always hear is that with the movie matches, that they, they are needed for these kind of shows now that there are no audiences and stuff like that. But I think that this show, with literally no one in the crowd, which I think did harm it a bit, it showed that... It, it But they didn't need a movie-style match to, you know, um, to keep me entertained. They had a diva- diverse card with I mean, okay, not every show that they're gonna do going forward is gonna have about, you know, five or six new names or surprises all the time. Cause I mean it takes away the the idea of a surprise if you keep doing it. But you know uh, as well, a lot of the people who were on there have only very recently appeared and are quite recently surprises, like in that knockout gauntlet match or like Diana Perrazzo. There were a lot of people making their first proper matches. Or at least the first pay per view at this, even the non surprises. So it was almost like you watched the kind of rebrand and like rebirth of the pay per view. So I don't think it was just the surprises driving it. I think it was kind of like a, a launching platform for a lot of them. Oh, definitely. And, you know, uh, from what I saw as well, there was a lot of 
really good. It wasn't just surprises for that night. You know, even the Heath, the Heath uh, surprise, it was like, well, okay, he has to get kicked out due to the pandemic, which I thought was beautiful. Wasn't like, that made, great? It's so made, real. And he's like, no matter what, social distancing, go on, off you go. <laughs> <laughs> But they're like, oh well, show back up on Tuesday, and I'll get, I'll get you in, kid. <laughs> you know, Rhino. <laughs> but it's Scott like... Demore's great as well, mind. Scott Demore is a, a really great part of Impact. He and is. I thought he handled that perfectly. And and so you know, there are a lot of reasons to tune in to this week's episode of Impact. You know, yeah, based on like you know people winning the one contenders matches, uh, oh, obviously debuts, all that kind of thing. So yeah, one thing that I loved was it went straight into the first match. Um, with uh, the Rascals versus uh, a surprise for the event, uh, the Machine Guns. That was, which was teased remotely, that. What I liked there was the whole tease the whole time had been the Rascals are going to do an open challenge and the Good Brothers are going to turn up and lace them all over. So seeing the Machine Guns turn up, that, that was a real surprise to me. I don't know if that's been like on dirt sheets or anything because I don't really look, but the kind of general rumours on social media were like it was a done deal. Good uh, Good Brothers will come out and smash the Radicals and... The Radicals. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Too, too soon. Too soon. <laughs> no, no, no. The Rascals, my apologies. I do like that team as well. I'm just stupid. But, like, yeah. In, in, in a way, it was almost bait and switched. And, like, the kind of, they were yep. like, well, you know, the Good Brothers have announced that they're going to appear and what have you. And then, boom, here comes the machine guns. That was a brilliant moment. But also, that's one of those moments where the crowd hurts it because yep. there would have been a big pop for the machine guns coming out. Oh yeah, I mean, and and we'll the other surprises throughout the night. We'll talk about how the crowd, you know, really should have been there. But in terms of the the bait and switch as well, which you know they did more throughout the show, yeah, and it was and it was really good. Though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got to say, Josh Matthews. I haven't heard his commentary for a little while. He sounds great. He's like, been amazing recently, and I was a big critic of his, not just when he was at WWE, but like when he first came. Mm-hmm. Well, that's but the thing is though, he he just had come from years. In WWE, only knowing, having Vince <laughs> shouting at yeah, you. Yeah, being produced all the whole time, being a proper like canned announcer. Yeah, and and the thing is, I think he, he he started to be able to show his personality when he did. I know it's the game show NXT, but I think they, they really didn't care. They probably weren't even aware that it was on air. You know what I mean? So they were just yeah, yeah. That always just seems like some kind of stone dare that somebody's lost whenever you watch that. It's absolutely bizarre. Mm-hmm. But the, the Rascals versus the Machine Guns. The, what I've noticed about this entire event is it really felt like. You know, having the machine guns come out and uh, cut a promo as well, saying that, you know, you may say you're the best, but, you know, you don't forget about us sort of thing. And they, inv- they inv- are one of the teams that really invented that great tag team style we're seeing, we're seeing now. Like, I've watched the Motor City machine guns on TNA and Ring of Honor and what have you for years, and that kind of seamless X Division-y type of tandem moves and double team, like a kind of evolution of stuff you'd see off the Rockers and what have you. Like, I thought it was really great to see a team like the Rascals, who are kind of like the next generation of that kind of flippy team, seeing them come up against the Motor City Machine Guns was great for me, I thought. I, th- I think if I had one, as a, as a first-time viewer for like a long time, it was hard to tell if you're just watching the match who was the face team and who was the heel team because mm, like the, the, the Rascals, you know, they, they both got the upper hand throughout the match, but like it was kind of, they actually, to me, both acted like heel teams when they, had the up, when they had the upper hand, right? Okay, <laughs> when they had the upper hand, but the, but the the thing is though, I think in terms of everyone, it 
in terms of a company, if this was real in inverted commas, like everyone's on their toes now because they're like, oh, who's going to come in? Who's going to knock me off me perch or yeah, whatever? It's like the Wild West, isn't it? It is a bit like that. I really enjoyed that element to it, and I, I and I did enjoy the match. I thought it, I thought it was the uh, the best match that they could have had to open it. Um, oh, definitely, because you you've got to have some explosive action at the start. Yeah, and and as I say, like if there was a crowd there, that would have really popped them at the start of the night. The first thing you see is like a return from the Motor City Machine Guns. That that's great. Like Saban's a former world champion, like on yeah. his own right, not just as in tag teams. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, so overall, uh, what do you think of the match? Uh, did you think it was the right decision for the winners? I mean, I, I'm not one of these bellends who's going to give, like, how many stars out of No, I know, I know. I, know. Uh, I enjoyed the match. Like, um, again, I would have liked to have seen a crowd involved, but it was interesting to see the two different generations go at each other, and I really enjoyed that. Cool. Well, the, the, the thing that I noticed right after that, and I'm sure they've probably done it a lot, but I loved that... The shot of the commentators, they were f- like stood in front of the ring, not just in front of like an empty arena. You know what I mean? So yeah, you could see yeah. action going on all the time. And I think yeah, it worked. It idea. looked for a cooler backdrop. And the fact that they were stood up as well, just little things like that. I just think I did just give that little element of difference. You know, just that maybe you're not meant to notice it. Maybe it is meant to be subtle, but like I really liked the look of it that it was like it was intense. That they had yeah, to start, like and they were like it was kind of in your face and all that, and uh, you know Don Callis looks so cool, like doesn't he? He's part of Miami Vice <laughs> era, Don Callis. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so love that very much. So yes, this was my first um, look at Moose, um, and uh, before before we move to the Moose match, yeah, which yeah. I, I did enjoy a lot. I want to take a moment for speaking about while that first match was on. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that did benefit Impact Wrestling was they actually trended number one on a few topics or worldwide or whatever the hell Twitter does. But anyway, they got a lot of um, interest while it was on. But one of the most knob-headed things that could have happened is bang on the start of the pay-per-view, Joey Ryan releases that video of him, like, doing the Iron Man apology that like lasts for an hour and where he somehow defeats anybody who's accused him during it. And I just thought, mm-hmm. you arsehole. Like, I'm, I will speak <laughs> yeah. totally out of line there, out of turn, whatever. Like, I was a big Joey Ryan fan, and my interest in Joey Ryan started an impact a long time ago. I was pretty upset by seeing the accusations made against him, but so many people spoke out and people who you, you'd respect Seems pretty likely that he did it and what have you. For him to then think he is somehow going to apologise with an egotistical hour-long video, which he <laughs> launches at the exact moment of the biggest pay-per-view Impact Wrestling could possibly have. Like, AEW have knocked them from that second perch, so they're arguably third or fourth, depending on where you see Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. They've just had an absolute clear-out of talent, including Joey Ryan, because of things they've done in the run-up to a pay-per-view. So they've had to rebook it all on the fly. And for him to then try and grab this attention at the exact moment that the pay-per-view started, I just think it's absolutely disgusting. It, yeah, it's not great. And did you see the uh, the comment that uh, you could either watch Joey Ryan's apology video or you could watch all three matches of uh, Billy Gunn at King of the Ring 99 three times <laughs> in a row? <laughs> Uh, I know so, which you know. I'd choose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, but... I'm an 
yes man <laughs> that could apply to either of them to be fair. but the, the the thing is like consensual you know, last man oh yeah <laughs> Lord. Uh, but the, the thing is I, they could have probably mentioned it i'm glad they didn't they know to stay well away from all of that um you know and <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, and um, yeah, yeah, it's it's not great, but but you know, wrestlers are. I've I've had a lot of great wrestlers on the uh, you know uh, on the show, but I think they would admit that they are shameless self promoters and bit carny and all that kind of stuff. And it got, I'm guessing it's getting people talking, but I don't know if you want people talking <laughs> about that. But uh, oh, people will be talking the way we are right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, anyway, uh, Moose. Now, I just before Moose came out, like mm-hmm. I've been watching Impact and I didn't quite understand why there was some kind of little mermaid fancy dress going on in the vignette. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, and you, it's, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Coming out for the Battle Royale, and I was like, hang on, I must have missed something when I was watching Impact. Like, why are a few of these dressed up as some kind of aquatic animation gimmick? Like, what's, what the hell's going on here? But, you know, there was like a captain. Uh, what, what's her name? Was Captain Hook, wasn't you? Yeah, she uh, was. Valkyrie. I was like, what, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love. We, we'll get onto that women's gauntlet. Um, <laughs> trying to do an order, man. Trying to have some kind of. My brain has no order. Uh, okay, also, you're not in order because that happened before Moose and Dreamer came on. So in your face. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, but the match happened after it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking. They weren't all dressed up as weird underwater stuff. By the no, time no, no. That's that that is true. Anyway, maybe, yeah. maybe. Well, that's the thing. Maybe I just tried to block that out of my head. Um, <laughs> So yeah, no, the, Moose. I love that it's a very basic premise that he was a you know a pro football star, and he believes that he is the greatest thing since sliced bread, and he did his, does it incredibly well. Like you know, he makes you really not like him, especially against such a nostalgic favorite like Tommy Dreamer. Yeah. Um. You know, I love the I love the package. I loved uh, Dreamer uh, shooting on Moose. You know, saying that he was you know. Impact. Yeah, that was class. That. Um, and yeah, no, Tommy Dreamer, brilliant. So like this was, um, this was called old school rules, but I don't really know what that meant. Um, See, I, I, they, they always rename stuff like that. Like it seems to be whenever there's a kind of nostalgic ECW type thing, I think they call those street fights like old school rules. I, well, I, instead I of could, extreme I could, rules, I mean, I, I guess you can't call it extreme rules. <laughs> I could be, I could be totally wrong, but like. As far as I could tell, it's just call it no holds barred. No one's going to confuse it with the 1989 blockbuster. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you just might have jumped the railing. So oh, I mean, j- j- jump is a stretch, but <laughs> <laughs> you might, yeah, you might have stretched over the railing. Like, no, but the, I, for, you know, I enjoyed it for what I mean. I popped immediately for a Dreamer coming out in the Moose Sucks Eggs t shirt. I knew you'd love that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a um, really nice little nod of the head. For, for once, he didn't have the Dusty Rhodes tights on, but then he came up with a different Dusty thing. So I was like, oh, I'm meant. <laughs> and, and the thing is as well, like, I, I think this was maybe the match that really needed the audience, not necessarily the intros and stuff, the actual match, because I feel like some of the impact of the shots with the weapons. Yeah. You know, they were kind of, don't get me wrong, like Tommy Dreamer took those took those shots like a champ. He does not phone any of those shots to the head or whatever. Nah, in. still not even at this age. He goes all out like. And and I've noticed probably more than ever how much he really 
wants to emulate Terry Funk. I know he's got the T-shirt on and stuff like that, but in terms of his selling and in terms of like he calls Musa son of a bitch, you know, like yeah, so. he wants to be the modern hardcore <laughs> legend, doesn't he? And and he probably is, you know what I mean? Like he just he, he has the sympathy that Terry Funk does. Um, he. You know, he can he was still... like standing up for wrestling as well. Like yeah. you'll often hear people who are like, I don't know what the word is, like a wrestling traditionalist, purist, a nerd, whatever you want to say. But like yeah. they'll, they'll kick off about someone coming from bodybuilding, football, acting, whatever. So to be playing this angle perfectly of having Moose be like, oh, I've got so much God-given talent. I'm like a giant Godzilla who does forward flips while I do spears. Like, I'm from football. I'll kill you all. Tommy Dreamer's the perfect foil to that kind of, like, nerd-baiting character as, a, <laughs> as Moose, isn't he? It's funny because yeah, I've met Moose a few times in real life and I, I hate to rain on his parade, but he's a lovely bloke. <laughs> <laughs> He's, well, he's, the, he's really humble and nice in real life. Oh, now you, you are spoiling it. You can tell us there's no Easter Bunny next. Um, <laughs> but he, he he knows how to play up to the cameras. Um, he knows how to work. I mean, I'm sure he probably, you know, Dreamer probably called that match, you know, if we're going to analyse it that way. But like he, probably, he, but Moose has been beating up a lot of legends and doing a lot of the, well, not necessarily legends, but he's, he's been doing a lot of these kind of bully matches and like on Impact, they've been calling back TNA originals that he's mm-hmm. then been like humiliating because he's got this TNA belt that he brought back. No, <laughs> yeah, there was so a bigger funny, plan yeah. for that story. Uh, like, you know, when they were going to do that No Place Like Home event. Right. Like that that was gonna be like Moose and East Championship and what have you, but then obviously all this crazy lockdown business which cancelled that and ironically also cancelled lockdown. But like Moose's Moose's still run with that story and I, I think he still made it pretty great, like it's a great use of like their history um without getting like meta whatsoever. Like it's just acknowledging their history with Oh yeah, it's not meta at all. It's yeah. it's like still a proper wrestling kayfabe type story. Mm-hmm. And and I, I love it that um, the commentators were like Tommy Dreamer went to the uh, TNA Championship Committee <laughs> to get a title <laughs> shot. He's like, you know, brilliant. <laughs> Moose is like, there is no one. He's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, my oh, favorite, my favorite bit of that match was the uh, the close up of the uh, Tommy Dreamer's face to the tax. Um, that was so good, wasn't it? But see, that was quite cinematic. They no, did it, that properly zoomed in like it was a film, but in, in a way, seeing less brutal stuff was more effective there just because <laughs> less was... brutal than having a ping pong ball for an eye. Oh, don't get started. <laughs> yeah, we're not reviewing don't that. Track. Track. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is though, it like I say it's more well, it it's more it had more effect it not happening. It's the suspense exactly. of it could happen, you know, it's, um him screaming made me want it not to happen. I'm yes. like, no, don't rub Tommy Dreamer's face <laughs> in the tax, which as much as I love a proper violent deathmatch and all that, that uh, that that's that Terry Funk angle again there, isn't it? You just if that was anybody else, you'd probably be thinking, Go on, we'll scrub him in the bloody tax. But because it's Tommy Dreamer, you're just mortified. It's like seeing someone shove drone pins in your dad's face. You're like, No oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when Tommy Dreamer brings out the, the little bag and the commentators are like, uh, do you think it's salt? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's like, I wonder what that could be. I was like, hmm, is it scorpions? <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, the commentators have such a laugh during some of this, but it doesn't take away from any of the calling of the matches to me. Oh, like, no, no. you it's, know, it's I've, in character. It's not like, yeah. it's not, you can have a laugh without detracting from the match that's ahead of you. 
if yeah. you're a having a laugh by kind of shitting on what's going on in the ring, that's not good commentary. Like you're kind of letting it down then. But I always feel like they're a, a part of it, and like the commentators are always in character. Like Don Callis is the character of Don Callis. So yeah. Matthews and Josh Matthews has a very different dynamic with Don than he does when uh, Madison Rain's commentating. He's, yeah. he's he's still like a a, a wimpy like beta and that, but he, he adapts it for who he's with and. That in-character commentary is really important and you don't see in enough places anymore. I love how uh, Camp Don Callis is sometimes when they're having a bit of a general conversation and he's uh, Josh Matthews is like, oh, yeah, you usually bring a lot of uh, snacks with you to the commentary table. And he's like, oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. But <laughs> I was more clued in for that than mine. <laughs> Just little things like that kind of pop me. But um, anyway, so yeah, um, Moose, the rightful winner, I think. Since Tommy Dreamer's never won a match in his life, but somehow oh, so still manages to be over his, you know. Gone. Impact often bring back the old guys to heroically put over the younger guy. <laughs> it seems, seems mind blowing to do it that way around. Why not just have Goldberg murder your champion in 13 seconds? You know, like bring out old legends and make make them not humiliate themselves, yet let the new guy get the rub. I think if it was any other country. Uh, you know, like Goldberg wouldn't have been winning the world title in 10 seconds based on... Oh, no, they've done it before. Well, that's true, that's true. Anyway, breaking announcement, Johnny Swinger shows up. <laughs> like, I love that. What, what I like my about... my favourite gimmick today, you know. He's brilliant. Like, what I loved about the, the, the cut to the breaking announcement was that it was actually a breaking announcement and they cut in halfway through a conversation. They're like, oh, we're, we've got to move to this. It, there was like a sense of urgency to it. Made it not just like, again, like a sport. But, well, like anything, like a news report. Like or news, anything. yeah, even. Yeah. Look north. <laughs> <laughs> if Mike Neville shows up, I'll, uh, I'll mark. No, I don't think Mike Neville can show up anymore. Bob Johnson. If Bob Johnson does the weather, <laughs> we're losing half the audience here. Anyway. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, no, um, Johnny Swinger, if that was your first, like, you know, the first thing you ever saw of Johnny Swinger, like brilliant. Like it just, it had a, a mix of, and, and I don't know what people think about this, but there was a slight sort of Randy Savage sort of like, I'll like early heel Randy Savage. Like, I'll just assume that you will do what I will tell you to do. Take your keys and park the car. And there was a bit of, Steve Austin. Do that. there was yep. just like, there if was, you can think of a classic heel from the late eighties, early nineties. He does it. And one of the most beautiful things impact do with Johnny Swinger is so many of the kind of hypocritical old fellas that run down the modern generation for doing kind of adapted versions of things they've done before. Johnny Swinger is like a parody of that. And like, there's so, like, I don't want to start naming names and like slagging people off that listeners might enjoy and what have you. But there's often guys from the 90s being quite hypocritical and dissing talent on Impact AEW, WWE, whatever you want. And Johnny Swinger comes out as like a caricature version of that and like yeah. sometimes doing it very literal and it's just perfect. Like in in a way, he's so old-fashioned that it's actually quite meta as well. Like I, I do, <laughs> I, he is my favourite gimmick today. To, to, to continue my love fest for Johnny Swinger for one second, mm-hmm. when Impact went to Bizarro Land for Thanksgiving and did that... Um, pretendy throwback episode 
where they were in Canada and what have you, and they were doing like a kind of stampede wrestling style territorial wrestling show. Yeah. Everybody was working really old fashioned gimmicks, and Johnny Swinger still came out doing his same gimmick, and they were like, he's like <laughs> Space Age. They were like, he's so ahead of his time. And I was just like, this is amazing. I just, I just love him. He's been at the company for so long under quite generic characters. To see him doing this at the kind of twilight of his career is perfect. Yeah, you've you've been talking about Johnny Swinger for a long time to me, and uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I know you're a fan. The one thing I've, I've got to say about the Dreamer Moose match is I am surprised there was no blood, but they saved the blood till the main event. It's but, also sensible. Yeah, it's sensible, but maybe if you're going to have like, you know, the innovator of violence and everything halfway through your show in the hardcore match. Maybe some blood. I don't know. Like I don't know. I, I know just... what you're saying, but I feel like you would have to change the placement of it. I feel it would detract so early in the show to have Dreamer bleeding all over the shop. Because uh, well, do you think it was? The... Do you think it was bad? Maybe bad booking then. Like they could have put it on another show. Or... I mean, I was happy without the blood. So I mean, but by mm. by the standard you're saying, I guess that could be bad booking. But I was satisfied with it. And the spot you already mentioned with the, the tax, the drawn pins, whatever, that, that was enough of that southern gothic style for me. You know when, like, you used to get Dusty Rhodes, like, he'd get whipped in the corner and he'd pop up with the elbow and they're like, Jesus, and they move away. Yeah. Or, you know, and they're like, keep, um, oh, what was it? Magnum TA and Tully Blanchard in the cage. And when they eventually get to using the spike in his head that's when he gives up and it's bloody and it's terrible but it's so much more because they've built it through the whole match like i guess you could have got more if you got the blood there but it would have been at the behest of the rest of the show and for me that spot of him resisting getting his face in the tax and what have you was enough southern gothic for me to pop me for that match Uh, no i totally understand i mean the thing is like say dreamer will always have like the the sentimental favorite to me in a match like that because you know me being generally more of an old school fan than watching a lot of the newer stuff so that was enough like i wanted tommy dream to win and was disappointed when he didn't win so i guess it did its job, job. done yeah mm-hmm. job done so um we're going to the women's this also that- is something to appeal for older school fans like us like yeah impact is a more mature product and they're not afraid of history even from other companies would as long as it doesn't infringe common uh What's it called? Copyright. Copyright. Yeah, we're definitely going to get into that. Uh, We'll definitely get into that as the show goes on. Now, the women's gauntlet match. um, I've got to say, like, gauntlet matches... I mean, because this isn't really necessarily... It's not a gauntlet. (laughs) Gauntlet for a gold is an old TNA thing right back to their very first show, though. Right, Okay. It's not specific to Slammiversary, but it's a thing they have often used to decide either the number one contender or the champion. So for me, this was just exciting to see this gimmick come back. This okay. is like seeing your Survivor Series match or your Royal Rumble match coming back up. And it gets used for a, a specific championship. And like, I was really happy. I was I was kind of devastated that Toby Keith didn't turn up like he did in the first one. But, you know, <laughs> that would have been a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> That that would have been that would have been fun actually. I always had to think of like because Leilani Kaya was at WrestleMania one and ten, she should have come back at every ten for WrestleMania, like going for the women's <laughs> title. Like, but sadly it didn't happen. Um, but you no, know, because the gauntlet match, I was expecting like a like a turmoil gauntlet match. Like one person in the ring has to. Uh, yeah, it's not a real person. gauntlet match. The gauntlet for the gold is what it's called. Really, it's not okay. a, a match. I think it for me it was kind of it potentially took away some of the drama that I could have had. 
like I guess it was the match that I wasn't paying quite as much attention to. Uh, because as well, like when you have there's so many bit of comedy in it. There's the comedy, but I think it's also it's like with anything when you introduce. I mean, I know that I'm I'm a you know first time watcher for a very long time, so they can't expect a, a piece. Everyone, a lot of them are new though. Like well, that's the thing when the you introduce a lot of new people really in one go. Yeah, yeah. It, it is kind of hard to either get behind them, and I think they all made good first impressions on me. You know, they all kind of stood out, and I've got to say the commentaries specifically on this match uh, were good at giving background. Uh, details on each of the women and also i noticed that you know they were able to have time to actually analyze some moves and some of the reversals as well on the commentary um you know and that's that's a tough job when you've got basically a royal rumble going on um yeah definitely the bit when and uh, havoc teamed together as they are a team now uh, Mm. a new team but they're they are a team but um after you've had some of the kind of fun silly stuff with johnny bravo and that seeing them suddenly pair together and start doing the double team stuff, you're like, whoa, yeah, like they are a legit pair of women, them. And then even like uh, Callis or Matthews, I can't remember which one, started teasing the idea of bringing the knockouts um, champ- tag championships back, which I would be well behind. Yeah, no, they've, de- they've definitely got enough. Um, they've definitely got enough knockouts on the roster for that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so who won that match again? Sorry. <laughs> Um, good question. Do you remember? <laughs> I can't remember now, actually. So your your uh, your criticism is uh, no. Wait, of course I do. It was, it was, it was Smiley Kylie. Smiley, Smiley Kylie's been building that that gimmick for a while, and I like the way that she's like surprised when she eliminates people. But yeah, I, I guess your criticism is valid because I had to think for a minute for who actually won that. Was she so, the one that came out and waved to everyone? Yes. Interestingly, she's one of the first people who went to AEW and then left. They did mention that, yeah. Um, I don't think there was any bad terms when she left, but no. they've certainly treated her well at Impact since she's come here. And I've enjoyed her story with um, Susie. One, um, see, um, we're definitely going to have to catch up on a lot of this stuff because, oh, well, I am. Because, um, like, again, this is... You never know with my memory. I can catch up with you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that I've really enjoyed, um, it was, a, again, a tiny thing because she's waving everyone. And then, like, Don Callis, like, you know, must have waved to her from like well in the back, like on commentary, and she notices it like last minute. And you hear her go, "Hiya!" <laughs> <laughs> the level of in character generally on Impact, it's been an interesting thing with these empty arena shows. Because mm. like, it, at first WWE were totally empty, and then they started doing the kind of AEW thing of having your talent there as well. And I watched some of them, and it didn't quite rub as right. AW can be hit and miss, you know, with having the crowd there, and like it, it, it definitely adds to it. But Impact have never had any kind of crowd whatsoever for their empty arena shows. But one of the things they've done really interestingly about it is people seem like an extra level of being in character. Like you've mentioned there about Smiley Kylie being like, oh, Don Callis is waving at us. Hi, Don. But like (laughs) there's an extra level where it's almost like the wrestlers are aware that it's weird that they're wrestling in this empty place, but they're still in character and the matches are still important, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it never feels like it's a placeholder. It feels like it's just, well, this is what it is now and we make the most of it and we don't break it, damn it. You know what I mean? I totally get. It. Well, we move on to the uh, well, it's the Heath Slater promo, and he makes it. It's really good how he just like shows up 
with no music or anything like that. But um, I'm always a fan of that. Who right. was the guy who came out to um, Rohit? Right. He he is um he's in the Desi Hit squad and they they, they are a good team. They weren't, they weren't very represented this this particular event, but I mean, I, I sound like uh, Art Donovan. Who's that guy? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how that? much he weighed. Like, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, no, but the thing is, though, it was a smart move because he was so small that he made Heath Slater look like a giant in the Heath ring. Heath Slater's put on some some beef as well, like yeah, and he, I, and he I look, genuinely so... looked like a bit of a badass, like yeah. He, I, I've always thought he was quite a funny thing, like he's a an entertaining character. But he actually he came out and he looked quite odd. That's quite weird for Heath Slater. Yeah, no, totally. And the, the, um, I love that they made the comment that in his last world title match didn't last long. You know, it go there. You know what I mean? Why not? Like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, totally. it's acknowledging real life, and um, it should be acknowledged. And uh, you know, it was a, it was a really cool segment. I, I don't know why all of a sudden he had music. Like at the end of it, like you know, unless that was always the plan, you know what I mean? If it was kind of real, real. Yeah, I never thought about that. That's a bit strange. But um, I didn't notice it at the time, so it didn't bother us that much. But yeah, it was nice to see him and Rhino together as well. That was a cool little. That was fun. I've seen loads of people complaining on social media, and it's like, oh, they're just rehashing WWE stories. I'm like, are they, or are they being sensible that like? Let's face it, these two Hello, guys Rhino, somewhere else. I've never met yeah, exactly. Like if you're watching football, right? You see someone got transferred to Manchester one season, and then yeah. the next season another one of our players got transferred there. Are they meant to walk into the changing room and be like, Who are you? and have no idea who they are, or are they gonna have played in an entirely different team? Like yeah. wind your neck in, man. They're not recycling anything. They're just being realistic. Heath Slater and Rhino are mates, and if they bumped into each other, they'd still be mates and talk yeah. about old times. And if they ever do break up, then you've got a real storyline behind it. Like exactly, I, I, I've got to say, I was really surprised, and and I, you know, just to get off topic for a little bit, that they didn't bring back Heath Slater full time in WWE when they brought him back that one night against um, against Drew McIntyre, uh, because it was, it, a, it was it was a ready-made storyline. Three-man band, didn't they? Yeah, well, it was just it seemed ready-made. Like it, it was just kind of recent, wasn't it? Like it's only it was like, like two or three weeks ago. It was, and it didn't get acknowledged on Extreme Rules as well. Obviously, <laughs> like you know, maybe they were going to, and then they were like, "Ooh, we'll cut that out." <laughs> but, but, he uh, but he's been pretty vocal on Twitter and that that I've seen that he was going to go somewhere and it was all going to change and that. And so, like, I don't know. It seemed obvious. Well, there you go. There you go. So next X Division title, uh, Chris Bay against my, probably my favorite belt since. WCW closed really the X division. There you go. I I love Willie Mack. I love Willie Mack. <laughs> he looks like a wrestler. You know what I mean? He just looks like a proper old school. Doesn't work out. Has a tab before he comes out. <laughs> you know. Did have you seen any other stuff like where he was dissing people like Johnny Swinger and what have you? No. On on some of the recent impacts, there's there was like him sat with the rascals and they were like, you know, like yo, mama's so fat, <laughs> like doing jokes like that, but like dead dead pan about people on the roster, and he's absolutely hilarious as well. <laughs> he's just like he's just this proper cool bloke as well. As you say, he's just like bit of a fat lad, looks like someone you'd go in the pub with. Then all of a sudden he's doing these pure moon salts and that, and you're like. Ew, will you? I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, did, did he, he? I love the Razor Ramon uh, homage. Uh, is that a regular thing with him? I don't think so, but I mean, I, I'm not sure. All right, okay. I was just that was just really. If if it isn't, it was really random and weird. <laughs> but like, um, but which, uh, which 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 thing are you referring to? Is the Razor Ramon? Is Ringier? 
Oh, because oh, it looked like the razors and that. Yeah, yeah. And he came out doing the, the arms out to the side and all that. And it was, yeah, it was a proper razor homage. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't normally do that, but I mean, there they weren't razors; they were actually chocolates, weren't they? Because he's chocolate. Oh, is that, okay. Yeah, they do acknowledge that on comment. Thinking when he did the razor thing, I was, I was thinking you meant the bit where he put the arms out. I was like, aye, but I mean, a lot of people have done that. Like, I think Jesus did it first. No, but the, but the ring gear <laughs> did look like razor's gear. So I, I can was... I can see that now, and he he had the BLM thing in among it as well. But like, mm-hmm. I, I I I could be wrong, but I thought they were chocolate bars. And it's because he's chocolate thunder, and like I don't know. I've no, just... they are, but they're in the shape of like they're in the style of like razors. Like those golden razor blades and that. Huh? Yeah, that was the which first. I, which I always looked at razor and thought, why have you got Judas Priest trunks on? <laughs> they're just like British steel. <laughs> I've got to say, I really enjoyed the match. Um, you'll, well. have, you'll have to explain to me why Willie Mack is X Division champion. There's not a weight limit on the X Division. I think there was briefly at one point, but I mean, look at guys like Samoa Joe being the X Division champion. Uh, that's true. See, I've learned a thing. See. Hell, even Abyss was the X Division champion at one point. And there's always, <laughs> there's always people go, ah, but they're not cruiserweights. And like, ah, it's not cruiserweight type. All right, okay. Well, no, no, I'm not. I'm not that's not me. <laughs> you, but it's, a, it's a thing okay. people often quite. It, it, this is the X Division is your like, your modern hard hitting high flying wrestling championship title yeah. like it's it i know that the wrestling style is like super juniors or cruiserweights so that's what people think but i mean there's been a few big lads hold it and i don't just mean when they do silly stories when they're like trying to get matt morgan or kevin nash with it or something but like genuinely like willie mack i see is like that kind of modern samoa joe guy and like joe had it years ago it's got to be 10 15 years ago i can't remember exactly but there's often like an impressive mobile big fella doing it and it it adds a new exciting dimension i mean brian cage was the x division champion at one point and that that stretched the kind of um suspension of disbelief because i look at that thinking how can some of these little muscle twinks actually beat this gigantic (laughs) brian cage is like the perfection of a wrestler you would think of it's like what if you got ultimate warrior made him a bit shorter made him twice as big and then gave him, I don't know, shall we say, Takamishi Noko's moveset. And you're like, what are you playing at? But then that's Brian Cage. <laughs> For real, look at the mad stuff he does. He he was a fun X Division champion. I just, uh, I struggled to think that anyone would ever get that belt off him. If I was told right. I was going to wrestle Brian Cage, I'd just cry. <laughs> well, I, I really enjoyed it. The one thing I noticed about that, the ropes are like scarily loose. I thought, like, I thought the ropes were going like to break. Mexican it's style. They really, I, I guess that is the point of like they just yeah they really are loose and I've got to say like I know that this is a very like you know I'm not trying to critique out like that but it it doesn't help HD like the the ropes are so poorly taped up on or the cables are on that show that you can see like the lines of like dipping where like there's there's not enough tape on bits of the ropes and stuff like that like I've got to say I'm not that smart I did not notice that <laughs> I, again I probably just you know I'd I, shouldn't probably notice stuff like that and i don't think anyone's gonna be like oh i'm not gonna watch it now because of that yeah. uh, you know rope. <laughs> no but like but the rope's been so loose i was like holy like you know i couldn't believe that it doesn't let i mean i'm i'm no wrestler i don't know but is, is it not easier to do like plancha moves and what have you if you're springing off loose ropes okay no i'm, I'm assuming so like I'm, maybe i'm just used to like you know basically wwf ropes which are 
reasonably loose as they are anyway. But like these were like seem to be next level to me. Favorite bit of commentary oh, yeah, from the cables that. not up to summit as well though. The cables in every other company it seems apart from um, WWE, and that's going back like decades. Is it right? I yeah. knew something like that, but you're, you're the brain, not. Well, I mean, my favourite bit of commentary from this is uh, Don Callis, who says, don't turn your back on Willie. <laughs> yeah. You know, you could tell that they were trying to get a few Sound of those uh... advice. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I really enjoyed it because it wasn't, I don't know, again, this is probably my slight lack of knowledge with TNA, uh, TNA with uh, Impact Wrestling, is that I was, ex- I was like, how are they going to do an X Division match? And again, it wasn't, I was expecting like cruiserweight match, but it actually worked out much better because it was different to what I was thinking it might be. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. I know what you um, mean. And it, and it worked really well, and I re- very much enjoyed it. So yeah, up next. Um, no, I think sorry, can I add go, one thing that I thought yeah, was yeah. very interesting? That well, two things. Sorry. Firstly, I thought that apron neck breaker was absolutely sick that Willie did on Chris Bay. That was awesome. Yeah, no, it really was because because that sets the pace so well for the match because. Like as as mobile as Willie Mac is, like he's a big lad. Like he looks like junkyard dog. He just happens to flip a boot. But like <laughs> Chris Bay is, he's one of those kind of like poetic acrobat guys. So for Willie to do a savage move like that early on, where he like slams his back into the apron and then neck breakers him, I then have a legit reason to believe like why is Chris Bay now not able to run rings around Willie Mac? You know what I mean? Gives Willie that weight of control and use some dominance with his size. Willie was pretty dominant throughout, and I thought real respect to Chris Bay because he managed to be small and wrestle like the underdog while still being a heel all the way through, and you just thought like, you were still sad that he won and you still thought he was a knobhead, even though he'd just been getting dominated by a bigger guy for the entire match. That, yeah, that, that, that's the skill, that. That was one of those matches where you could, you know, you could tell without a crowd who was the heel and who was the face. Well, same with the Tommy Dreamer match, but that was, yeah, absolutely. You know, you don't even have to be a fan of modern wrestling to know that you're probably going to be cheering Tommy Dreamer. But like the, Chris Bay, like you know, he he was really good as well. Again, acknowledging the camera and uh, connecting with the audience at home and all that kind of thing, and you know, giving you a reason to really dislike him. And uh, he even made Johnny Swinger likable on the impact of the run up to it because he's been like using Swinger. Yeah. And the swingman thinking he's his mate, and then like winning matches because of swinger interference, which kind of like telephones the audience in advance. Oh, Chris Bay is going to win the uh, the X Division Championship because Swinger's going to get involved. But then like Swinger found out he was being a knob, and he heard him like dissing him to to this lass who's one of the interviewers in the dressing room, and he's outside, so he like pretended that the committee had said he wasn't allowed to come. I found that a really interesting part as well because in the run-up to it, it was so telegraphed that Swinger will cause an interference that lets Bay win the championship and then Bay lets Swinger continue to tag along. So there were a few interesting story changes that they did with that match that I thought was pretty great. Yeah, no, totally. Well, um, up next, the North versus Callahan and Shamrock. Shamrock. I can't say enough good things about the North. I think they're the most underrated team in mainstream wrestling. I really enjoyed them. Um, and Shamrock looking like an absolute beast. He's a still. monster still, isn't he? 56, like the, you know. Well, the thing is as well, I hate when people say like, oh, he looks 20 years. And I'm like, no, he looks 56, but he, he looks, looks 56, hard. but like a terrifying 56-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he still uh, yeah. looks his age, but he's ripped and monstrous. 
Yeah, and, and he's got like old man eyebrows now, I've noticed. So when he gets angry, he like looks even more angry than usual. It's because he's got um, reading glasses on when he gets angry. He's like a teacher who's like terrifying. I've got I've got to say this match, um, even without an audience, really had a big time feel to it. Um, and Especially it took- given Callahan and Shamrock's history recently as well. Yeah, which they, they explained brilliantly on the on the promo video, and uh, the commentators throughout um, did a great job of like making everyone aware and reminding everyone. I think you know, it, and the, the match had a, a long time and everything, and it was it told a great story. I think I've never seen Shamrock in that kind of match where like the the last five or so minutes were really complex in terms of the finish. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. And I, I kind of wasn't used to that. That was a bit jarring to me because before, like, until the end of it, well, I'm aware things should pick up. I, I totally get that. Like, it, it seemed to be taking its time in, like, a good way. And then it kind of, it felt like things were maybe a bit rushed and too many things were happening at once. And, I mean, just little things like the referee does not count to five, but I think that could be said in any company. Like, yeah, it's like right. there are no rules at the moment, and I think that would really help. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I, I would say Shamrock. I, I found out, but as you say, ev- everyone's doing that with tag wrestling at the minute, and it's it's one of those things you have to just grin and bear. Like I used to be able to deal with it watching Mexican wrestling because you know what lucha rules is like, but it it's permeated everything now, hasn't it? Yeah, no, it has, and 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 I it seemed a bit jarring to me, but. You know, and it told the story. You know, Shamrock accidentally kicking Callahan, all that kind of stuff. And the North were brilliant. I've never seen them as a team before. And uh, they I to- love them as well. It it's, totally it's won so... me over. Like, yeah, no. So, like, Callahan, that had a lot of my favorite guys involved there as well. It's like Sammy Callahan is just brilliant. Like, how beautiful are his pile drivers as well? Yeah, no, I agree. It's so good. For me, possibly my favorite match of the night. I, um, think, I think the same for me as well. Yeah, um, yeah, I would highly, highly recommend it. And I, I was kind of hoping for a bit of a feel-good moment with Shamrock winning the tag, but especially since he was like first teenage. Like, I love that they use yeah. some of that footage on his entrance video. It's got um, him when, when he wins the belt. See, that's he wins the first gauntlet for the gold. That's, that's right. What, okay. That's what sets him up for that, just mm-hmm. to bring us full circle. But yeah, they show that footage of him when he won it on the second, um, second ever TNA show when it was NWA TNA and. Well, pretty crazy but like yeah that, it's nice seeing that acknowledging of the history and it's like some people had said to me like oh old wwf veterans like ken shamrock i'm like to be fair to me shamrock's also a tna legend like yeah sometimes sometimes people just go to the most famous stuff or just the stuff they've seen and then insult wrestling it's the same with guys like tommy dreamer turning up and then being like oh, just bringing back old ecw guys and i'm like Tommy Dreamer has been in a hell of a lot of TNA and Impact stuff over the years. Like he's probably made more appearances in TNA and Impact than he did in ECW. But <laughs> yeah. pe- but if people are like, if I don't know something, then it doesn't matter. It's like you know, they're like, <laughs> if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around, kind of situation. So they're like, yeah, 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 but that doesn't matter. I'm like, no, no, they are they are building on their own history and their own guys. Like a lot of us will look at this and be like, there's there's Tommy Dreamer, you know, there's Ken Shamrock. The original TNA champion, as, yeah. as you rightly say. Do you think he should have grown his sideburns back for this event? <laughs> no. 
<laughs> no, okay, fair enough. I, I do not love a fan that. of the sideburn. <laughs> I do love that um, in the Willie Mac match that they mentioned that it, like you know he grew up watching TNA, even though he looks about forty-five. I and... was going to say Willie Mac looks like he could be my dad, and then he says stuff that makes me feel old. And then I that. <laughs> the thing, the I say he looks like he could be my dad. I realise we are vastly different in skin tone, but I mean in terms of age. <laughs> well, I, I love that they mentioned that he, you know he watched the old Wednesday. Even in pay per views back in the day, he used to, used to buy the pay per view every week. <laughs> then Don Callis said, "Yeah, I heard his favorite match was like a match with me from like 2003." Like him and oh, I, oh, I wish I could remember oh, who it was. Oh, why have you brought that up, man? Do we head in now? It's somebody else who was also a booker, who was a oh knob. <laughs> It's like an old wrestler who was a booker as well. I keep going to say Jim Hurd, but I'm like, shut up, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> oh. it's, it's somebody pretty rad like that from back then. It was. so Yeah, we're going to have to watch it back for that. Yeah, right in on a They're really copy. good with references like that as well. Especially Johnny Swinger brings up so many references you would love because they're proper niche 80s and 90s references. Uh, the thing I've got to say, like, one thing that I didn't realise, because Tainers went through so many changes and facelifts and stuff like that, they really don't... Like, I, I, like, get into something and I start enjoying it and then everything changes again. I'm like, oh, I'm not good with change and I get it every six months with TNA. <laughs> <laughs> well, they really don't mind acknowledging their past, as they should. Um, even should? though it feels like a vastly different company. Um, but... Yeah, no, they, they they totally should mention it, and I mean they, they do that when they talk when they tease the mystery opponent and stuff like that. But we'll get to that. So like uh, up next is uh, Jordan Grace against, uh, and I'm going to say the name incorrectly, Diana Perazzo. Diana Perazzo, yeah. Um, that was that for me made up for how much I wasn't into the gauntlet match. Um, wasn't that, that a great match? That was a hard hitting, amazing match. Two. Like women mm. yeah they, they, for no audience as well they made everything look convincing I'm just gonna say the only criticism i have of it is the not being an audience there because that felt like one of those matches where if an audience is there that's your like new japan epic main event level yeah like crowd investment like i was that invested watching it on tv so like if there was a crowd there because it's quite a long match to have with no crowd yeah. That's like the only detriment to it. But like, if that if that was in a big arena, or even a small arena, that would have been a hot response. Oh, I agree. I agree. And uh, the the double Fujiwara armbar looked devastating. Didn't um, it? you know that? I, I've never. It's been a while since I've been in because I think a lot of like submission moves can become a bit contrived now. The like variations of whatever, and you it know, doesn't look like a real submission move. Yeah. Uh, so you always got to think, like, if you were fighting somebody, would you end this by putting that hold on them? Once it starts being contrived, you're like, what Ponzi gymnastics is this, man? <laughs> well, and, and the thing is, I love that you had to scream that you submitted because you didn't have your arms. Your arms are behind her back. <laughs> Wasn't it great? Yeah. Parazo is a, another brand new one. She's just, just come in. Like, I obviously already knew who she was. Um, I, I knew she'd gone to NXT, but I didn't realise she'd not wrestled a great deal and that they'd let her go and not really thought she was up to the standard because, by God, I thought she was brilliant. Like, Jordan Grace is fantastic as well, but, like, I don't think she could carry to someone to such a great match as that, if you know what I mean. It was... They both were brilliant. 
Yeah. No, I, I've got to say, because so, I, I know that women's wrestling generally in America, like, probably has never been this good. But I think... Uh, to be fair, Impact have always been really good for women's wrestling. It's one of the things that always drew me to them. If you go okay. past those early weekly pay-per-views where it was still a bit daft, bra and panties, slappery, girls gone wild stuff... Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I always enjoyed, like I used to watch wrestling with my little sister as an adult and watching the Divas matches, I always felt like this isn't a very positive image of women and women in sport that I'd really like you to see. Like, I, I don't mind sexiness. They obviously you had the beauty pe- beautiful people in TNA. There's always been a lot of sexuality, but it's just the fact that I always felt like TNA booked women's wrestlers as wrestlers. I know they called them knockouts and it's still a gimmick, but... I've, I've always felt like in mainstream American wrestling since the 2000s, they've been the standard bearer for it for me. Well, there you go. There you go. Like, and the thing is, is what I feel that I don't know, because I, I don't watch really too much WWE as well. Um, no, I don't anymore either. That like the, the women's matches to me all, and I might get shot down for this, but they all feel the same, no matter how good the women are. Um, I just think that they, they try... That same is, style. I, I it's, it's the style, but I think it's also the booking where every match has to be this epic sort of reversing submissions and false finishes, etc. Lo- lo- loads yeah. of finishing moves or shining wizards and azaguris. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I watched the I watched the matches at Ex- uh, Extreme Rules and I got more into, uh, into the Jordan Grace uh, Perazzo match than the women's matches on extreme rules to be honest um and i think if you haven't watched any impact or tna or whatever you want to call it for a long time give it a shot you know because i think yeah, you'd definitely. enjoy it i think you'd enjoy it um so yeah on to the main event a great tease of the mystery opponent in the the promo package um using footage of everyone from angle to Sting. you know Brian Myers to Sting, um, you know, and, and it's just like Bully Ray, the Bully Ray tease as well, you know, like D'Lo Brown's been getting shot on backstage as being a stooge, and he's been like making anonymous phone calls to guys from Aces and Eights, and he dusted off his old uh, waistcoat with the back patch on and that, <laughs> and he had it on his, he's got his little corporate stooge office, but his seat now has the Aces and Eights vest on it. Brilliant. And so, like, that added to the teasers with Bully Ray, especially with, you know, the Good Brothers were going to debut. Well, Bully and, Ray like, was just on the... I'm sure he was just on the countdown for Extreme Rules, so I guess... and But the thing is, that was a day I'd after... See, I didn't, t- I, didn't, I didn't know that anyway. That, well, that was a day after the uh, the Impact event anyway, so I guess it wasn't... Like, you know, it wouldn't have mattered anyway, then. It yeah. wouldn't have mattered, but... Um, no, it was, it was really good. So the thing is, when, um, when Rich Swan comes out as the surprise... It was kind of like, do you know when like your mum wraps up your, you know, your console to make it look like something really boring, like a book or something, and you're like, oh, thanks, mum. Like it was that <laughs> kind of like that was the surprise, and Don Callis was just like, oh, isn't this great? And I was like, it seemed a bit like he was trying to push it down me throat a little bit. That this, I guess, I was worried that was a Dixie Carter tease at first. They played me perfectly. Yeah, because there's often times where she used to be like. We're going to have this monumental, gigantic star. You're not going to believe it. Tune in. And then you'd have no idea who they were. They were like somebody <laughs> from a different sport who decided I might wrestle for a bit and then like disappear for a fortnight. And like, not that I think any of that about Rich One, by the way. Rich One is a fabulous wrestler. Yeah. But I just felt like 
if this is the big tease. It's Savio Vega at No Way Out 98, basically. <laughs> when he took over Shawn Michaels. Don't get me wrong, love Savio Vega. And you've got to have someone who can pull off a main event match. And they did. But and he it, still puts on some fun death matches to this day as well. There you go. So, but the thing is, that if there was a crowd, they would not have necessarily popped at Rich Swan coming out. Um, I don't think they would have done that with a crowd, just in case the crowd started to shit on it and it kind of detracted from the rest of the match. Because mm-hmm. Rich Swan is great. But that was a deliberate attempt to wrong foot us for that match. And it was, it was great. It was beautifully done because, like, Eric Young... So was his double cross with the crutches, wasn't it? Yeah. No, it was, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> um, I loved his entrance as well. I'd, and I've got to say as well, uh, going back uh, a little bit, I love Callahan's entrance. Like, that is... It's, oh, yeah. it's high octane and like you know just like grabbing hold of the camera and stuff like that i'd really enjoyed that but yes the main event just um, from that with callahan yeah there's a match you will enjoy with him and shamrock in their feud i want to say it's at rebellion but it starts out in the ring as a normal match because callahan had been playing hell and doing the kind of cyber terrorist angle on shamrock for a few weeks and um, they end up going outside, and it like becomes a cinematic match in the car park. But I don't mean with music and all that crap. Yeah. I just yeah. mean they get in the car park, and it suddenly feels like a proper hate-filled, the final fight in a movie kind of scene, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not necessarily about the orchestration and all that crap. It just suddenly starts using the sort of angles you might see in a TV action film like Seagal or Van Damme or something like that. And they're absolutely going at each other. But that was an interesting thing in the kind of modern era where everyone's doing cinematic matches cause needs must that still made it fresh and interesting and still use that kind of in your face kind of, whoa, like intimidating entrance style that Callahan uses. Mm. I'm sure Shamrock adapting again. I'll definitely check it out. Um, this is my first time seeing Ace Austin. I thought I think he looks great. Like Ace he Austin's looks, fantastic heel. He looks he looks unique without looking like a, you know like a joke because like people can try too hard to look unique. I find. And he did a little bit when he first first started. He was a little bit too much with the magic tricks and all that, and I kind of dismissed him. But he's also been booked pretty strongly in recent time by Impact as well. So how did you feel about Eric Young being the surprise? Was that a genuine, whoa, moment I would, I, I figured he would come back, but I was very pleased to see him there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love Eric Young, and Eric Young is a TNA legend. Like That's not hyperbole to use that term. Like Eric Young's a TNA legend of a long time. Yeah, and someone who has really grown over the years as well. Because like, yeah, if you, yeah, yeah, um, and they they did an amazing job of when he gets eliminated and then he attacks Rich Swan. I mean, there's your your ready made story. story for those two. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, um, really good stuff. Um, and it was it was a it was a fun main event. And I'm not usually massively into like these five man elimination kind of things. Like, See, I am if they're elimination. Events. What I'm right. not is if it's one pin wins it. Now, TNA historically often have multi-man main event matches as well, so it's something I'm kind of prepared for right back from your kind of like King of the Mountain type stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's something that I can look at and enjoy in an impact setting, but I realize that people who've only watched wrestling from other companies perhaps might find it jarring that there's that many guys. But when it's elimination the way it was here and the way Impact did again, they tend to do it as a way of setting up stories for the other guys as they go out. You know what I mean? See, that that is good. Because even when, like, you know, WWE does it or WWF did it, 
I, you know, it it would have to mean something if it's a main event. Um, yeah. You know, and um, I think anyone would probably largely prefer a really well built up one on one match. But I think the the thing of this event, it really did feel like it was starting new storylines instead of like ending storylines, um, or, or at the very least, like continuing storylines. You know, it there was, wasn't like there was character development from storylines in this match as well. Yeah. So Trey, like, I don't know how much you know about the the Rascals. I keep trying not to call them the bloody Radicals now. I'm just going to talk to you. <laughs> but the, the the Rascals, yeah, they they usually have this kind of that '70s show gimmick where they're all sitting around in a circle getting stoned, and you know the bits when that '70s show used to get stoned, and you get the face on shots. Mm-hmm. And they even put in like canned laughter to make it like that, and they had like a fun little story with. Falabar and like it, it, it's been a long standing thing, but it started to change and get serious because of Ace Austin. Uh, Ace Austin had previously had a storyline where Brian Pullman style he was like trying to shag Eddie Edwards' wife, right? And, that, and it was because Eddie Edwards was like struggling with substance abuse problems and what have you, and yeah. he was being the nice guy moving in on his wife and all that. And that was quite a long standing, as you might imagine, pretty heated story. But Ace moved from there to it being that he was going to shag Trey's mom. <laughs> like Trey, <laughs> Trey's mom was initially appearing in these vignettes in a kind of Stifler's mom capacity. Uh. And like he was getting wound up by it. And it started comedy and has gone kind of the full extent of the story to you seeing how vicious Trey was in this main event. And so like Trey only got eliminated, if you remember, because he rescued Ace Austin, didn't he? Because he like wanted to be the guy to do him in, and that's what got him eliminated first, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I thought that was really good evolution from what was a pretty lame comedy story initially to go in full circle. I, I, I thought the two of them were going great together in that match. Yeah, no, it was... And they, they give the whole match like a lot of time as well, as they should with something of its elimination. You know, they weren't... No one came out of that looking weak... Um, I would it say did really well when you think two of the original people weren't even in it. <laughs> yeah, no, like El- Elgin and Elgin and Blanchard gone. One of it's them a, had the belt. It's a good point. And the thing is, as well, it was like I know surprises, except you know, surprises are meant to be unexpected. But I guess you there can unexpected also, surprises for the writers. <laughs> well, yeah, but but you can also do it as if you know things will happen tonight so you know you can't miss tonight you know there will be surprises i know that it defeats the point of the any, surprise. no but yeah. anything can happen it had that old old yeah. wwf adage anything yeah. could happen you had no idea what was going on impact absolutely and uh yeah so eddie edwards um would was he up would he have been your pick to win He's who I wanted to win. I, I, I try not to think of in like, you know, that armchair bookery rubbish kind of. Well, no, but if you want someone to win, you want someone to win. I wanted yeah. Eddie to win just because he's got that hard man of the people type character. He's very likable. He's engaging. They played nicely on his heat with Ace, you know, and they did that powerbomb through the table spot that put them both out for ages. Because yeah. you've always got to have something like that in a multi-man match to stop it just from being bedlam. I've got to say, sorry, no, no, you go on. Well, um, with the when the end uh, after the match, uh, the uh, Madman Fulton, the you know the sort of yeah, he, the way he sort of appeared on camera, and that was my first like sort of you know time really seeing him. He is a beast. He's like done that once before on the Impact run up to it, where he like it was slightly better on the Impact before. 
because he rose up slowly and it looked like that bit in Apocalypse Now where he comes out the water. And it was like the first time Josh Matthews saw it and he was like, whoa, and he was like absolutely terrified, like in awe. Well, that's an old classic thing with Mark Lewin, um, you know, for Kevin Sullivan's uh, group coming out of the water. And, you know, later taken, really? taken by Batista, you know, uh, when he was... sucked when he did it. Yeah, well, it wasn't I've quite as good. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, Purple Haze, um, you know, uh, you've got to see... I mean, any. I know we're getting slightly off topic, but, like, uh, you could go on a whole rabbit hole looking at Kevin Sullivan stuff from Florida and just being absolutely freaked out and blown away and having your mind blown. Like, it's so ahead of its time, though. It's so forward-thinking. Oh, it, it really some is. some of his stuff there, it's just brilliant. So Shape, do you think, shapes the stuff I like. Yeah, no, definitely. So like, and same same with me as well. With a lot of stuff as well. There's, it's just it's out there, but within the realms of pos- like feasibility, because like he's not actually casting magic tricks. You know what I mean? He's yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but he believes in stuff like voodoo and you know um, all that kind of stuff. So, um, give it, it makes sense that the Good Brothers came out at the end. I mean, I guess that wasn't the biggest shock in the world. Um, Originally, apparently, they were meant to come out and attack Tessa Blanchard when she had the belt as an instant heel getter. Oh, really? Heat getter, yeah. But obviously, times had to change. And I quite liked seeing them come out with Eddie because putting your book ahead on most sensibly, I thought there'd be something Aces and Eights related because Gallows was such a big part of Aces and Eights. So then when they genuinely just came out as the Good Brothers and like saved Eddie Edwards and would faces and i don't know i really enjoyed it it was a nice feel-good ending to the night for me seeing my favorite kind of a face who's not cheesy who's just a face you get behind win and then people that you like from elsewhere coming and backing them up it was just a great feeling to end a bit of you on i thought yeah to me it, it feels like you know nothing was particularly done wrong on this entire event in terms of like building up people's characters and stuff like that now you know um I think, we, and we can get into this on like future shows, but I think AEW may rush things sometimes. Um, like with with FTR, like I wouldn't necessarily have done with them what I, you know, what has been done with them. But this event seems like a really. Do promising... you think that's fair with FTR? Like I think as long as they don't face the books for a while. Yeah, but I think that they could do it like the you know like the Sting thing or like an NWO to, kind of thing, to... and you know. To jump on something there, and it applies to Diana Perrazzo as well, from what I've read, and again, you take all of this with a pinch of salt, mm-hmm. like Perrazzo, for example, is working on a buy appearance deal with Impact. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But FTR also are open to go elsewhere, and they're making a lot of noises as if they're not on a long-term contract. I don't know if in the modern day when you get guys like FDR who are like, right, well, I want to face the Northern Impact, I want to face the Gorillas in New Japan, and, you know, like, the the start building, like, a Michelin Spotters guide of guys that want to wrestle all over the world in dream matches. I think you might have an element if you haven't to rush stuff because you might have, say, like, a three-month window or something. That's fair. That, that number is totally plucked out of air. But you know, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like Perazzo, she's only debuted a few weeks ago, and she's already won the Knockout Championship. Mm. But it's like, how long is she going to be there? Yeah, no, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. I mean, that's that's stuff that I don't really... I, I guess a lot of people probably don't think of when they... You know, not saying that you, like, constantly think of that kind of stuff or, like, read the sheets or whatever, but, like, it's just a bit of common I just watch a lot of different companies. That's the only reason I find out stuff like that. 
No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. So overall, I I really enjoyed the event. I would say that if you've never seen any Impact Wrestling or if you haven't for a long time, um, it's, yeah, it's a refreshing, it's a breath of fresh air, you know, uh, you know, compared to other things that are going on at the moment. And um, yeah, well, what no, he gets I, a ping pong ball pulled out and told it's an eye. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is as well, you can kind of, it feels like the start of everything. Like you can start on this and not feel the need to have to like watch everything leading up to it necessarily. I mean, do it. Video packages are good yeah. enough. You're just rewarding yourself if you watch the build up to it. It's not mandatory. It's just a, a good thing to do. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So yeah, I want to thank you, uh, Alex, for coming on. And uh, doing this review of Slammiversary 2020. Uh, any? Oh, not at all. So, any other last words before we go? I think just don't sleep on Impact. I mean, there's even in the TNA past, there's a lot of questionable things. There's been a lot of dodgy matches, but I think people have always been quick to jump on the lol TNA rubbish. And it it's a similar thing to what I've always seen with WCW, like. If people who like the big boys build it up enough and slag it off enough, then everybody just believes it's a fact. And there's always been a lot of good things with TNA and Impact. They're doing a lot of good things now, and they're not afraid to pay tribute to their own history and the history of their performers. Like I would strongly recommend watching Impact. Excellent. My, 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 my Wednesday Night Wars is between Impact and Impact. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a, that's a good place to leave it at. So, yeah, hopefully we'll do this again very soon. And I want to thank everyone for uh, tuning in to this special edition of Turn Chuckle. Uh, it's, I, I guess it's like an alternative review and yeah. from someone who hasn't watched too much uh, Impact as well. Uh, but, yeah, no, uh, very much enjoyed watching the event, very much enjoyed uh, doing this review. Hopefully we'll get to do more of this. And uh, I will see – we both will see you all next time. Yeah, man. See you next time.